And welcome to Rayim Ahufim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield. MS, Marriage and Family Therapy. So happy you're joining me here on jrootradio.com. For those of you who are new listeners, here's what we do. We try to learn and to develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection you have with your spouse. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. Today, we have a really exciting show for you. The reason I say this is because what we are doing here today is we are about to discuss a topic which concerns any married person out there. Now, some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about today is actually going to be what I like calling high-level marriage tools. The reason I say it's high-level marriage tools is because you're not all going to be able to do this. <laughs> I know listening to it, you go, sure, what's the problem, Rabbi Greenfield? I, I hear this, and I think I could do it, and I'm just going to employ it when I'm in an impasse with my husband or with my wife. But you're going to notice when, that when you really try to implement these tools, you are going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem. The reason you're going to have a problem is because you're going to see that your emotional triggers are going to be turned on and you are going to just go back into autopilot. Not all of you, but some of you. So despite that, if you do this many, many times over like anything else, what happens is, is that you get used to it and eventually it will become ingrained into your system, our system, and it'll make you just a better relationship, better marriage or more wholesome marriage. Okay, I am told there's a little technical difficulty over here. So hang in there. We are going to be right back. And uh, okay, a few minutes. Sure, we'll be right back in a few minutes. Just got to fix some of the controls here. And we will be right back with Ray Mahuvan. Thank you. Sorry for that interruption. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back. Okay. I want to start this class with an amazing story that actually happened to me. This happened actually several weeks ago when I was invited to a wedding of a uh, old chavrusa of mine. The wedding actually took place in Lakewood, New Jersey. I'm not from Lakewood. Okay. So it was late at night. I had to cancel some appointments. And I'm like, I'm going to go into this wedding. Now, you know, those of you... I should say, those of you, all of us are constantly, Baruch Hashem, being invited to weddings, bar mitzvahs, <coughs> other simchas. And it's just very difficult because it's, 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 you know, there's no way we can sit there for every simcha throughout all the simcha. What's going to happen is we're just, we're just going to be busy all night. We're going to go to sleep. Who knows what time? So what we do, fortunately or unfortunately, sometimes we say, okay, we're going to come for the end of the wedding. Or we wish them Mazel Tov, we, we can't come to the wedding, Mabruk, but I just can't come. I, I'd love to come to your Simcha, but I just can't. Then there's the weddings that we come to part of them. And then there are the weddings that we come to the whole wedding. We're like, you know what, we're going to have a seat. No problem, we're going to be there. We'll be more than happy to give you a nice gift. 
and I want to actually spend some time at this wedding. This was one of those weddings where I was like, I want to spend some time at this wedding. This is an old chavrusa of mine, and yes, he's getting married in Lakewood, and yes, it's a long trip, but you know what? I'm going to go to his wedding. I'm going to sit. I'm going to have a good time. It'll be great. It'll be great. I'll see my old friend. I haven't seen him for who knows how long. So it was late at night, and it wasn't that late, but it was, you know, I had another appointment, and then I, by the time I get out, finally I get out on my way to Lakewood. I'm driving to Lakewood, and today, Baruch Hashem, we have GPS. You know, those of us who are familiar, there's something called Waze, and we just put the Waze on, and I punched in exactly where it's supposed to be, and I'm driving to Lakewood, going to the Chasana, about to be there, and as I, you know, get off the exit and turn left, and, and turn right, what I did, and I admit it, I admit my guilt, I was what we call in Yiddish an Iberchuchim. What does that mean? I'm like, oh, I know where it is already. This is the road. This is the road to the Chasana. I know exactly which hole it is now. Me, how do I even know Lakewood? I don't really know Lakewood. But I'm like, you know what? There's only one hole here. This is such an isolated, desolated road. This is, this is the hole. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get in. And I'm going to have a really great time. Meet my old Chavrusa. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Great. What happens? What happens is, is that I, you know, I get out of my car, I go into the hall, and I take a look around to look, look for my old friends, people who I know, and I see nobody that I know. Fine. And I'm like, that's okay. I see a lot of Chashav Rabbanim, Tamit Chacham. I'm like, fine. Let me go. Let me go into the chuppah. But first, you know what? Let me actually go for a second to the tables where they have the seating cards. Let me just find my seating card now because you know what? You know, you know, when you go to weddings, what happens is, is you want to get a hold of your seating card because maybe somebody else is going to get your seating card. Maybe they'll fall on the floor or something. This is a wedding that I actually want to sit. So I got to find my seating card, figure out where I'm going to sit. And fine, I go to, I go to the table with the seating cards and I'm looking for my name. I'm looking for my name and I can't find it. <laughs> I see Greenwald, Greenstein, Greenberg. There's actually Greenfield there also, but it just wasn't for me. And I'm thinking, okay, Green, where, where's, where's my name? What, what's going on? I can't find I'm looking and looking and looking. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to admit it to you here on air in front of everyone. I am telling you, the first thought that came to my mind was, why didn't my wife send out the reply card? I told her that this is a wedding that I want to go. And I put her aside. I said, honey, please, can you please put the, send this out? And she didn't. She didn't send it out. And I'm like, I don't understand this. Why, why didn't she send out the reply card? I, I asked her specifically. Honestly, this is the first thought before. It's like trigger thought. I thought to myself, what happened over here? And I was, I was really getting upset. I was really getting annoyed. Then I got a hold of myself. Then I, I really got a hold of myself. And I'm like, one second. Yes, one second. What are you blaming your wife for? What are you blaming your wife for? Your wife is always sending out the ones that you want and not the ones that you want. She always asks you way in advance, very organized and structured about all the weddings. She sits with you, shows you calendars. Why are you getting so upset at your wife? How do you even know that, that she wasn't the one attending? But like, no, my wife did it. And I'm like battling with myself, literally battling myself. And those men who are listening to this know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like that. Your autopilot is just automatically, it's your fault. I can't believe you did this. Why don't you send it out? I asked you to. That's, that's what I was battling. And, and because I've, I've okay, I'm not saying I'm the world's greatest husband, but what I am saying is I, I've worked on this. I've worked on this for years. I've been working on myself. That when this impasse comes, you just stop and you say to yourself, stop before you blame. You don't know. You don't know. Of course you feel it. And here's a very important point that I want to say now. When, when these things happen to you, it's, it's very, very, very difficult to say, oh, it's really not her fault. It's not. You, you could say it cognitively, but emotionally it's going to be very hard to accept because emotionally you're just blaming. That's the way the wires are, are, are just programmed, that automatically it's not my fault, it's her fault. It's my wife's fault, of course. But you have to get a hold of yourself and say to yourself, no, it's not. Stop it. I don't care how I feel. That's right. I don't care how I feel. Something's wrong over here. My wife definitely sent it out. She's responsible. And if she didn't, it's not her fault. Why am I getting so upset? So I take a look around in the hall. And I'm searching and I'm looking and I'm saying to myself, something's strange here. I mean, my, my old Chavrusa is, is from Erlich guy, but he's not so, so far from. I'm looking around and I see the, the, the crowd is a very, very religious, have Hasidish, very Hamish, a Litvish crowd. He wasn't. He's just not that type of guy. He's he's, he's from Erlacha Ben Taira, but he's not that yeshivish, uh, Hasidish uh, type of type of type of young man. He just wasn't that. 
And I see a lot of those people. So I, at first, I'm thinking, okay, I guess he married into a very fun family, but everybody's there like that. I'm thinking to myself, one second, one second, one second. Something's wrong here. I don't find my seating card. The crowd doesn't seem the right crowd. And, and I'm in Lakewood. I don't really know Lakewood. Why am I just working on the presumption that this is the right hall? For all I know, this might be the wrong hall. Maybe I'm just at the wrong hall. I'm like, what am I, an idiot? I, I don't know what hall is. I mean, I, I know there's one hall. I've been here before, Lakewood, whatever it's called. And, and I've been here. It's just the right hall. I'm like, well, maybe you never know. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask someone, but this is very embarrassing. Why am I going to go to someone and ask them, oh, by the way, whose chasana this is? This is that's not going to work. So what I'll do is I'm going to walk outside of the hall. And when I'm outside of the hall, I'm going to feel a little bit more comfortable. I walk into the hall. I walked outside of the hall. I take a look at my phone again to look at the text, and I see that my wife actually texted me the address. That's how I got there. She texted me the address of the hall, and I'm looking at the address, and I just, someone just come passes by in front of me. I stop and I say, "Excuse me," and, and I'm, he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Is this?" Uh, I'm just making up the 118 Terrace Boulevard, whatever it is. He goes, "No, no, that's actually down the road, right?" Laughing, he's telling me exactly. I'm like, "Oh, Kaddish Hashem, 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 you challenged me again. You tested me again. I almost lost. I almost lost. I almost got really, really frustrated at my wife. And possibly what I would have done, picked up the phone and asked her. I don't understand. I told you to send the reply card. Why didn't you? I almost did. I, I didn't get to that level. Baruch Hashem was able to find myself and realized not to blame. It's not her fault. Something else is going on over here. And Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I got back into my car. I rushed back to the other hall. And Baruch Hashem, I made the other chasana. I was late. I was late. And my friend noticed that I was late. I actually came over to him and I shared this whole story with him. He was laughing. But Baruch Hashem, it all worked out. Today, we are going to focus on something I call misinterpretations in your marriage. I can almost guarantee you. I know I say that line a lot. But I can almost guarantee you that in your marriage, there are going to be misinterpretations. Absolute misinterpretations. Now, what we're going to do today is we are going to split it up because misinterpretations is really not all in one box. It actually goes into two boxes. One piece of misinterpretations, what I like calling behavioral misinterpretations. The other piece of misinterpretations is what I call communicative misinterpretations. So the first one really is, is misinterpretations that's connected with behavior of our spouse and our assessment, or better yet, our interpretation of what our spouse meant by doing something or by not doing something. So if our spouse did something that we interpret to be negative, what happens really psychologically is that automatically it affects what is called our attachment. We feel slighted. We interpret that as our spouse doesn't care about us, and then we get we feel hurt, and that hurt is either projected in anger, possibly screaming, whining, complaining, criticizing, attacking, or stonewalling, not talking, sulking, 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 and then usually leading to a passive-aggressive behavior, which is letting it out all later on and screaming and then completely exploding and, and, and losing our gaskets. So that's something obviously that we don't want to do. So how do we deal? So first of all, let's understand. Let's talk about the first misinterpretation. First misinterpretation is a behavior, like the one that happened to me at the wedding several weeks ago, where I didn't see the seating card. I'm like, okay, I see the seating card. So I guess my wife didn't send it out. She didn't send it out. She didn't care about me. She didn't care about me. I'm very hurt. Okay, so now I got to call her up and ask her. I don't understand why you do this. No, no, no. You control yourself. You control yourself, and you don't call her and ask her and possibly attack her because that's how your emotions are wired. You have to calm yourself down, and you say to yourself, stop, stop for a second. I'm going to give you other examples of behavioral misinterpretations. Behavioral misinterpretations. Now, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig a little bit deeper, and let me explain to you. In, in many of my previous shows, I have, I have a term that I coined. It's called pirates. Now, PIRATES stands for all the reasons why I feel hurt by my spouse. Any reason that I can feel hurt by my spouse, I feel, as I'm saying I feel, fits into the category of pirates after I've analyzed and assessed many hurt feelings from many couples and many phone calls and much feedback that I've gotten that it all comes down to something I call pirates. And this is Mama Shahatziat, the Shemite, to come up with this term. P stands for pet peeves. I stands for insult. 
R stands for request, A stands for attention, T being standing for Torah, and E stands for expectations. Now, I'm not going to get into this. is not a, a show about pirates. You can look at my previous shows. Many of you ask about MP3s. I, I hope, hope, hope this summer I'll have time to put it all together, have it on the site, have it available, whatnot. But right now, what we're not focusing on the pirates, what we are focusing on is on misinterpretations. But the reason I bring up pirates is because I feel that most of the misinterpretations in our marriages are a result of some of the letters in the pirates, specifically R. That's P-I-R. R request. Many times when we make a request from our spouse and our spouse does not adhere to our request, doesn't accommodate our request, doesn't listen to us, we feel very, very hurt. We get upset. Sometimes we criticize and attack. And many times it's all based on, and not many times, I should say almost all the time, it's based on misinterpretations. Almost all the time it's based on misinterpretations. What am I talking about? I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, I ask you to please come on time tonight. I ask you to come on time because today, you know, I'm going to an exercise class with my friends and I want you to, to watch the kids. And I ask you, not every day I ask you, I ask you to come on time and you're late. I, I don't understand. I don't think it's fair. I just don't think it's fair. How many times already do I ask you to come on time? I ask you this one time a week, please come on time tonight. Take care of the kids. You've been coming late. Take care of the kids. It's not fair. And you're late. And I'm very, very upset at you. That's number one. Number two. You know, I really want I, this Arab Shabbos. I ask you, please, to come on time. I want to go to the country on time. I don't want to be there last second. I don't want to rush, 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 rush. I didn't put up the challenge yet. I didn't put up some of the stuff. I wanted to be there early. I don't want to sit in traffic. And again, you're late. I'm really, really upset. Here's another example. And I know these are all examples from women. Don't worry, we'll shift over to men as well. I ask you to leave me money. You know, I don't always ask you for a lot of money. And, what, you know, usually I spend some of my own money, whatever it is. But I ask you, I said to you, I'm, I need to buy for the children. Just start a day camp. I need a bathing cap for my daughter. Just a couple of bucks. And I asked you that. I said to you, please. And you forgot. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. And then I call you. And when I try to call you, you don't pick up. You never pick up your cell phone because you know what? You see my name. You never pick up my cell phone, your cell phone. So I'm calling you and calling you and calling you and you don't pick up the phone and, and, and like you just obviously you're ignoring me and I'm really upset at you. Well, here's another one. This is shifting over to the men, right? Men, you asked your wife to pick up your suit from the cleaners. And the truth is you could have done it yourself. You didn't have to. You didn't have to ask your wife. You could have done it yourself. It's just, it's just a tercha. You know your wife is, go is going to be there area anyways. So you asked her to pick your suit from the cleaners. Come to your closet and you see that your suit wasn't picked up. It's like, I asked you to pick up. I don't understand why you didn't pick up. Oh, here's another one. I asked you, this is summer, and I asked you, it's going to be very hot. All I'm asking you is just leave some cold drinks. The drinks, don't leave them outside. Soda or whatever it is, put it in the refrigerator so when I come home I have a cold drink. And, and the ice, you know, I know we don't have ice machine, but if you could just put the ice into the ice tray, put the water into the ice tray, I know people leave it out. Sometimes I leave it out, but just leave some ice. And I come now, and I'm so thirsty. I come, and, and, and again, the drink is not in the fridge, or the ice is not in the freezer. Or I said to you not to touch the air conditioning. I told you, I'm going to take care of it. I'll make sure that it's at a perfect temperature, both for me and for you, because you know, we always fight about the air conditioner. You're always too cold, and I'm always too hot. So I asked you, I said to you, please don't touch the air conditioner. I'm coming home, and I see someone moved it. And you tell me, you? I, I see you moved it. I see someone, someone changed it. Someone changed it. There you have a bunch of examples of requests which were not adhered to. And it's just so frustrating because I ask you, I ask you, I ask you. How much already do I ask you? And you don't listen. So you know what? You know what it shows me? It shows me that you don't care about me. That's what it shows me. Like I can really, a lot of stuff I can do myself. Some of the stuff I can, but you don't care about me. You don't care about me. Okay, so I'm very upset. I'm very upset. These are requests, and these are, and, and these many, if not most of the times, are misinterpretations of requests that we have. Next, next example. I'm going to shift over with the pirates is to what I call expectations. That's the E of the pirates. It's expectations. Here, I'll give you a couple examples. A couple examples. Men who are listening to this. I know a lot of men, Baruch Hashem, listen to this. Men are listening to this. You know, comes Shabbos, 
and you go to shul in the morning, and a lot of you do not eat before davening. Because that's what says Mishra, Allah can not supposed to eat before davening. Some people do eat a little bit, they have to tear him, whatever it is, but you don't eat before davening. You don't eat before davening, and you're hungry, and you go to shul, and you enjoyed the shul, but the chazan was a little bit too long, and last night you went to sleep early, so you haven't really eaten, and you're hungry, you're hungry. You just want to come back home and start the meal. What? You don't like waiting an hour for the meal to start. Your wife had it all morning, so why couldn't she start the meal? It's just, it's just not right. And you asked her, but, you know, this is an expectation you have of your wife. Why is she starting the meal on time? Or, here's another example, men. You open up the credit card bills. And you're looking at all the money that was spent for camp, for the summer, for the kids. And you see, like, some outrageous bills. You see some outrageous bills. And you're thinking to yourself, like, why didn't you ask me? You know, I understand there's normal expenses, but this, like, this expense? Like, what? My son needs a refrigerator? Like, wh- why didn't you ask me before spending so much money on the credit card? At least ask me. I don't understand. I don't understand. Or here's another one. Ladies, you come home and you see that the garbage wasn't taken out and you know it's the summer. And if the garbage is left there, the flies are going to come and you're going to have the bugs and, and other creatures. And, and cats are going to jump in the garbage and you, you, like, you're supposed to take out the garbage. It's way too heavy for you. You've asked your husband a million times over and he's not taking the garbage out. It's so frustrating. Why didn't he take out the garbage last night? Or men, you come home and you see that there's no dinner. This is no dinner. Your wife wasn't home. There's no dinner. What's going on? Right? Or you come home, you see the house is flying. And you don't understand, why is the house flying? And you get really, 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 really upset. And our in- autopilot interpretation of it, or I should say really what is the Yitzhah that's really that's, that's the essence of all this, by the way, is telling us, she's guilty, he's guilty, he doesn't care about me, he would do it for himself or for his friends, but for me he wouldn't do it because I'm the last on the totem pole. Now I see what type of husband I have, now I see what type of wife I have. And it gets us really, really, really upset. Really upset. So the question is, what do we do with all these feelings? Ever Greenfield, I'm listening to some of the stuff you're speaking about, and I can relate to a lot of them. And I have some others that I want to add to you, to your list, Rabbi Greenfield. And this is great, but what do I do? What do I do when this happens? Okay. So let's start with this. You know, there are different levels. I'm, I'm going to give you some skills and tools, and I hope you're listening <laughs> I hope you're listening because it's so, so, so important for your marriage, for your shalom bias, for your children's emotional health. Because that's, you know, who, you know who it affects at the end of the day. It's your children, those of you who have children. So now, um, like this. Number one, number one. We're not, we can't just act from the gut. We can't just say, well, I don't understand. How can you do it? What's going on? The Torah tells us, Havedan, it's called Adam Lekavskus. We have to be judge every person to the side of merit, to the side of favor, meaning it's probably not his fault. It's probably not her fault. And I know, ladies and gentlemen, when I'm saying this, I know some of you are laughing on the inside. You're laughing on the inside because you're thinking to yourself, well, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. I know them like a book. I, I could tell you every move they do. I know exactly what they do and what they don't do. But believe you me, ladies and gentlemen, believe you me, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, below shum dugma, as they say, you know, like like the sun is shining outside, that there's no question about it. We have to be done, even our spouse, for sure our spouse, lekav schut, lekav schut. When I say lekav schut, meaning, first of all, just to think, okay, it's pro- something probably came up, something probably happened. There's a reason why he's late. There's a reason why she didn't put my, the towels, and I'm taking a shower, and I just came out, there's no towels. There's a reason for all of this. There's a reason for every single action over here. There must be a good reason. Now, I, I want to elaborate on this. Number one, it's important for us to think like this. Now, again, if you think this is impossible to act like this because you're listening to me and you're like, okay, come on, Rabbi Greenfield, I've heard this. No, this is what we have to do. We really have to do this. We have to be done, call it down the kafschus. Now, I understand that some of you will try to do this and you will not be successful. And I will tell you what to do. I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fantasy land here. Seriously. I understand some of you can't, you can't, just can't do this. You can't do this. I can't. I, I try to be down like close, but I can't. Like, it's very hard for me. But that's what we have to do. I'm going to get to step two. But number one is down the like Number one. Something must have happened that I don't know about. 
And I know it's hard, but at least just to tell it to us. Remember, I went through this a couple of weeks ago. Just tell, tell it to us just to say it. At least say it. Something's going on. Even though we don't feel it, there's going to be a clash between the feelings and the cognition, but we're going to say it anyways. That's number one. Number two. Number two, we have to realize, and a very, very important thing, and that is this has been decreed on us from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from Hashem. Here's another very, very hard you know, thing, skill that I'm telling you to do. And again, I know that this is, you might have to go to the next things, but this is what we really should do. Because this is the MS. We spoke last week about MS, how important MS. Because this is the MS. This is the truth. The truth of the matter is that what? That Hashem was the one who decreed that your, that your suit is not going to be ready. And I'll tell you a little secret. If you would have gone to the cleaners, he probably wouldn't have found it or something would have happened or you wouldn't have been able to gone. Something would have happened. This is not because of your wife that you don't have your suits from the cleaners. This is not because of your wife that you're coming into the house schwitzing all like sweated and there's no cold drink. That's not because of your wife. That's because of Hashem. Everything is because of Hashem. How do I know this? How do I know this? And I, I know we're on a very, what some people might call high level. And we're going to move on to other levels soon. But we see this from who? This is actually interesting. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this little shtick Torah for my wife who I was discussing this this morning. She's like, you know what? I have a great source for you. And she said to me from Shmuel, we always see, in, in, in Sefer Shmuel, we see David HaMelech. That what? That David HaMelech, when he was running away from his own son, Avshalom, right? Who was going to kill him. There was a man who was a very big, high person at that time, whose name was Shimi ben Gera. And Shimi ben Gera started cursing David HaMelech. David HaMelech at that point was probably at the lowest part of his life, point of his life. I mean, he's running away from his own son. And what happens is Shimi ben Gera comes and starts cursing him. It's a king, right? He can curse. And Avishai ben Suruya was standing with David HaMelech, and he's like, I-, I can't believe this. I can't believe he's cursing the king. What's going on? Let me go and kill him. Let me go and just... I'll kill him. I'll kill him. You, you can't curse a king. What's going on? What does David HaMelech say? David HaMelech says, no. Hold off your anger. Hold off your anger. And he, why? And I'm not quoting it. And you can look at it yourself in Shmuel. But he says, because this is not coming from him. This is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is what Hashem's decree is. For whatever reason it is, Hashem decreed that I have to be cursed right now. This is not Shimi Ben Gera who's cursing me. This is... This is Hashem who decided that I should be cursed right now. This is not him. Nothing to do with him. And this is true for all of the facets of our personal lives. If something happens to us, for whatever reason it is, your husband wasn't on time. If for whatever reason it is, I know this is very hard. I'm, I, again, I'm going to go to the next levels as well. But this is, this is really what we're supposed to. This is the MS. So if, if what happens is that, um, you know, that you ask your husband for money and he doesn't leave you money. Or you're calling your husband and he's not picking up the phone. Or you ask your husband to go shopping for you and he goes shopping and he gets everything for himself and you ask him specifically to get you baking powder. That was the whole reason you wanted him to go. He doesn't come back with baking powder and you're so upset at him. It's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe you gave me baking powder. This is what Hashem decided that should happen. This, this is a Kodesh Baruch Hu deciding what should happen. Okay, it's like a greenfield, but if not for my husband, it's not, I mean, if not for your husband. Honestly, if you would have gone to the store yourself, maybe they wouldn't, okay, maybe it would make it matter. Maybe something would have happened, you wouldn't be able to get it. You wouldn't be able to go to the store. Something would have happened. This is Hashem's decree on us. I know this is very hard to accept. And, I, you know, I want to tell you, maybe you shouldn't do it. No, I'm really talking to myself here also. There's something that I have to work on myself, just to accept the fact this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, we're gonna, again, we're talking about other skills and tools in a second, but number one, we have to realize, this is Hashem's decree that has to happen to me Today. Now, the second piece of this, this is important, ladies and gentlemen, is that not only this is a decree that has to happen to me today, but this is a special custom design challenge for me today. This is my personal challenge today. Am I going to get all upset at my husband? Am I going to get all upset at my wife and lash out and criticize and attack and scream? And I don't believe what you did to me. I can't believe this. Or am I going to control myself? If I scream and lash out and attack, that's autopilot. That is autopilot. But if I control myself and I fight my emotions, I fight my emotions. You know, I don't believe in not, and people say, don't get angry. I'm angry. I'm very angry. I mean, don't get angry. I'm very upset. I'm very upset. Okay, very, very high level. That, I have to say, it's high level. Okay, I have to work at myself. I have to get angry. 
I'm getting angry. But I'm angry right now. I'm angry right now. Right now, I'm angry. Okay, I'm telling myself what Rabbi Greenfield said. It's all coming from Hashem, and I understand. But it's hurting me. It's hurting me. It's a fight now. It's a fight now. In a couple of seconds, maybe in a minute or two, I'm going to calm down. But right now, I'm upset. So now I'm controlling myself, and I am not lashing out. I'm not picking up, up the phone and screaming at my husband or screaming at my wife. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to criticize now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying to myself, this is a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system, right? This is a test just to make sure that I am controlling my midos today. And if I survive this test, I scored so big. I've had so much put into my spiritual bank account right now. I have such tremendous mitzvot, such high level, such high level mitzvot. Bigger than, than someone who's, who's sitting, you know what? Bigger than someone right now who's sitting and learning for an hour. I just control myself. It's very possible I have a higher score. doesn't mean I shouldn't sit down and learn. Obviously, Torah is number one. But you know what? I, wow, I feel so good about myself that I control myself. And sometimes it actually helps to keep a log. I'm serious. Sometimes I tell us people, sometimes it's important, especially for men, to keep a log of how many times you're mavater per day for your wife, for your husband. You keep a log, and afterwards, like, you can just feel better. Generally, ladies don't need to do this. As much as ladies write journals, they don't need to do this. But for men, sometimes it's like, okay, fine. No, you write down every time you're mavata for your wife. Every time you're mavata because you're down the cuffs. Instead, you're down the cuffs. You control yourself. You let it go. You wait the hour. You write it down. And just count every day. After the week, count how many times you're mavata. You will see you mavata many times. And every one of those times you're mavata is gold, is diamonds, is unbelievable. You made a million dollars. At least, at least every time, as if to say, every time you're mavata. Boy, your spiritual bank account is getting filled. You see why? This is why the Shechina resides in a house that has Shalom Bayes. It's like, you get it now? People understand, like, okay, like, what? Kedusha, Kedushin, we get married, it's called Kedushin, it's holy, it's holiness. What's so holy about it? What's so holy about it is you're controlling yourself. You're not letting your temper get the better of you. You're not lashing out. You're not pulling out those childhood reactions and patterns, things maybe you've seen at home or you haven't seen at home. You're controlling yourself at every time. That's Kedusha, that's Shalom Bayis, that's the Shechina residing in your houses. It's hard. Of course it's hard. But that's, that's, that's that. Now let's move on. So we know it's a challenge. We know it's a challenge. But what if you just, you just, you try to be down the kafschus. You try, you really try, you know it's a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but you're just so upset. You're still upset. You're still upset. You can't go on. You're still upset. You're still upset. First of all, give yourself some time. Seriously, you have to give yourself some time. I'm telling you. You can't do any, anything that I'm going to mention from here on in. You cannot do unless you give yourself some time. If you don't give yourself some time, you lose. I'm telling you right now, you lose because you're going to be upset. But what do you do? What you do is give yourself some time. Make sure you don't have your hats on because this is an important piece. Those of you who haven't heard my previous shows, hat stands for hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. If you, if you have your hats on, I'm telling you, you lose. You're, you're going to enter into a conversation. It's going to go downhill so fast. So fast, before you know it, there's going to be hurt feelings, either stonewalling, screaming, anger. It's going to happen in a, in a breeze if you have your hats on. If you have your hats on, I'm telling you, don't enter the flame. Don't enter the flame. Take your hats off. If you're hungry, eat. If you're angry, calm yourself down. A, B, C, D, I, we always say. Tired, go to sleep. Yeah, go to sleep. You'll take care of it tomorrow. Stressed, for whatever reason it is, let it go. You try to let it go. After you give yourself some time, try to let it go. But then, you know, usually I say, okay, wait an hour. You have to wait an hour. And usually when there is like a, you know, type of, like some sort of what, uh, impasse, a strong impasse, I say generally wait an hour. But here with these two issues, I'm talking about specifically these two things, requests and expectations. I'm not talking about pet peeves, insults, attention, well, actually attention, Torah. We're talking about these two things where... There might be a misinterpretation. It's very possible there's a misinterpretation. Give yourself time to calm down. Trust me on this one. Give yourself time to calm down. And then you can ask your spouse. Just ask them. Just ask them. And I'm telling you, if you ask them immediately, it'll become a fight. If you call your spouse and they're not picking up the phone, and right away, when you, finally when you get them, and you say to them, I mean, you know, I've been calling you for two I've been calling you already ten times. Why don't you pick up the phone? I don't understand. Why don't you pick up the phone? That's a fight. That's a fight. What do you mean? Rabbi Greenfield said, I have to ask. No, no, we don't ask like that. We don't ask like that. We don't ask like that. You have to ask in a calm way. So it's easy for me to tell you here, sitting here, well, you have to ask in a calm way. Please ask your wife in a calm way. 
It's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen because you're too upset. You're too upset. That's why you have to give yourself some time, okay? Give yourself time. And then you can say to your wife, and this is what you say to your wife. <laughs> like literally repeat after what I'm saying because this, this is the pivotal piece of communication. Is everything okay? I tried to reach you a couple of times and I'm not reaching you. Is everything okay? And you see, when you're saying is everything okay, the presumption is that something might have happened. I care about you. I love you. I want to see if you're okay. Is everything okay? As opposed to, you know, I've been calling you for 10 times. Why don't you answer? Why don't you answer? There's a lot of implications of that message. Why don't you answer? You know what? Why don't you answer means? Why don't you answer means, you disgusting animal. I don't understand you. I've been calling you and calling you and calling you. Like, you don't care about me. Everybody else is more important. Even if you feel that way, don't say that. Don't say that because I'm telling you, chances it's not true. And generally by women, I can tell you almost for sure. The woman, your wife, was not out to get you. She simply was on the phone with the director of the day camp who was telling her that her son fell and he's okay, but he got a couple of scrapes, and if she wants, she could come and pick him up from day camp. That's probably what happened. I'm telling you, that's probably what happened. Really. Does it always? No, sometimes. Sometimes. It could be a reason that you can't accept sometimes. But generally, that's the reason. Generally, if there's no towels in your towel closet and you just took a shower and you want to wipe yourself, there's no towels, you have a problem, well, guess what? It's not your wife's fault. What do you mean we're getting filled? She's the one who does the laundry. Let me just not her fault. She knows. She knows good and well. Well, I'm telling you, go over to her later, not when you're upset, and say to her the following words. Usually when I open up the towel closet, there's always towels there. That's it. You don't have to even have to ask her. And she's going to say to you, oh, I'm so sorry. I actually have them in the dryer. I was going to take them out. Then the baby started crying and I had to feed the baby. I'm telling you there's, a good re there's some good reason why the towels are not there. Or there's some good reason why she couldn't take the suits from the cleaners. Ladies, this applies to you also. I have to be honest here. It applies to you also. Many, if not most times, when your husbands are late, something happened. Something came up. He was challenged with something that he just... He just, he wanted to make it at home. You think your husband doesn't want to come home on time? You think he doesn't want to make you happy? I want to tell you something. There's not a man in the world who's married. <laughs> I haven't seen who does not want to make his wife happy. And all the men who are not making their wives happy and they're making their wives miserable, almost all. Obviously, there are exceptions mentally ill and stuff. I'm talking about your standard man, okay? It, the reason that he's not making you happy is because he simply gave up. It's not because he doesn't want you making you happy. You think he's happy that you're all upset and you're forbittered and you, and you get all like down. He hates that. He wants to make you happy. So if he's not on time, something came up. Either there was traffic or his boss called him or something happened. He was challenged with something. Now, I'm not telling you that he shouldn't have overcome those challenges. Men who are listening to this, especially with schedule, I want to let you know, if your wife asks you to be on time to something, if you have an appointment, or if you're going to the mountains and you want to keep scheduling this, you know, you know it's going to make your wife nervous if you come all late. Hashem is going to test you. I can almost tell you, if not every time, a lot of times, Hashem is going to test you with something is going to come where you're not going to be able to leave on time. Because last second, you have to do this report. Last second, um, last second, you have a, bit, a client who's calling you. Or last second, you have a business person who's coming and telling you. Last second. And yet, sometimes, by the way, sometimes these challenges are spiritual, religious things that have Kedusha in them. Yes, like doing chesed to somebody. For example, someone calls you and says to you, you know, could you meet with me? I have a problem and you want to do chesed with somebody else. Chesed starts in your home, man. I'm talking to myself as well. Chesed starts in our homes. Our most important chesed starts with our wives and our children. If your wife is going to be nervous because you came home late, or if your wife is going to be upset because she's not going to get to, to the mountains on time, I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to sit with your friend and make him feel good because he just got into whatever it is, or, or some person on the streets copped a schmooze with you and he has a problem, you're trying to help them. Don't be a tzaddik like that. That's not being a tzaddik. That's not being a tzaddik. That's a back to Shalom Melech. You know, I have Rachmanos. We have Rachmanos. We, we feel so bad. Hashem wants me to feel bad for people. It's more important, our wives. Ladies, I know you're listening to this and you're thinking now to yourself, some of you are thinking, you're right, Rabbi Greenfield. So like, why doesn't he stop this? Why doesn't he just come to me? I'll tell you why. Because he's a man. He's not a lady. He's a man. He's a man. And I can almost tell you for sure, this is really the next part of this, that if you know, the Perkei says, 
you cannot judge someone until you're in his own shoes. Al danis chavercha, right? Do not judge your friend until you're in his own shoes. But the truth of the matter is, you'll never be in his own shoes. You're never going to be in someone else's shoes. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, you know, my daughters, they're younger, you know, so they, 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 they walk around with like the shoes of the older boys, all the girls, the little, little kids running around with like the big shoes. But in any case, you're never going to be in the shoes of your spouse. You're not. You're not. You're never going to understand. Men, are, men, you're never going to understand your wives. Uh, you know, and I, I, I'm the big expert, right? I'm the big expert. I'm telling you right now, I don't even understand. I know, I, I could tell you cognitively, I've analyzed and assessed this subject to death as if to say, and, and I spent who knows how long, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to feel it. I'm not going to totally understand it. I'm not going to totally understand my wife. I know the way she is, but I don't really hop. And women, you're not going to really hop and understand your husband's, why he came late. You're not going to really understand why he didn't give you money. He forgot. Something was going on his mind. Well, I wouldn't forget. Obviously, it shows that he doesn't care about me. Ladies, I'm telling you, your husbands care about you. I, I, I said this in session. I'm saying this to everybody here. Your husbands care about you. They love you. They want to make you happy. Believe you, they make me happy. But they're men. They're men. Try to be mavata. We're never really going to understand. I'm not saying I have to talk to them about it, to negotiate. Sometimes we have to do that. It's going to happen again and again. But we never understand. We're never really going to understand the other person's temperament, their childhood, their, their hormone, hormonal balances, imbalances, their, their physiology, their experiences, their experiences in the morning, their experiences in the afternoon. You know how many times people get upset, like people get, spouses get upset at each other, and they're not really arguing about the air conditioner. What they really are doing, they're displacing all the stress they had because their air conditioner in the car doesn't work, and the wife doesn't understand this, and then the husband comes home, and he's screaming at her because, okay, we'll talk about this also in a second, screaming at her because why? Because, because she didn't set the air conditioner the way he wanted it. And she's like, you are so off the wall. What is your problem? But she doesn't understand the context that he was in the car schmaltzing. He doesn't have enough money to put Freon into his car, or he does have money, but the air conditioner is broken. He's schmaltzing all day. And then he comes home thinking finally he's going to have the air conditioner or the drink. And he doesn't. But he doesn't tell you that. He doesn't say to you, by the way, you don't understand. And I'm sorry. And I'm, by the way, it's not an excuse for the men to scream at all. But this is the reality of, an, of not understanding, really not understanding. So we never really hop. We never really hop somebody else. We don't. We don't hop. And that's why I say the next step, if you can't really be a mavater emotionally, you just can't be mavater. You should. Of course you should. Of course you'll be down the kafschus. Try to be a mavater. No, it's a challenge. Just move on. Move on. Don't make an issue out of it. Just move on. But if you can't, for some reason you can't. For some reason you can't. You want to start the tit for that, the tat? I would say sometimes you are allowed to ask. But this is the way you ask. This is the way you ask your wife. And you say to your wife, is everything okay? I wasn't able to reach you. Not right away. Give, her t give yourself time. Is everything okay? I see you didn't. You weren't able to get my suit from the cleaners. Or the wives to the husbands. Is everything okay? I see you weren't able to make it on time today. Or is everything okay? I saw you weren't able to leave me money today. Or is everything okay? I see that the house... I, 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 th I, I see that... Or let's say you see the house is flying. Some men, men complain to me. They see the house is flying. Can I help you clean the house? Can I, is everything okay? I see today. Can I help you? Now, men are listening to me like saying, wait a minute, can I help her? It's my wife's job. Men... Say that anyways. Say, can I help you? And you know what? You'll start cleaning a little bit. She'll do most of the work. But don't let her feel so tzibrachen. Don't let her feel so bad as if like she's some sort of horrible, horrible, horrible person, which leads us to the next part of this class. And that is like this. Actually, before I go to the next part of class, so, so I just want to like solidify this. You can ask your husband or your wife what happened. Why didn't you pick up the phone? Why don't you pick up, uh, leave me money? Why don't you pick up the cleaners? But, but the way you do it is you start with a positive presumption, meaning is everything okay? You didn't pick up the phone. Uh, was everything okay today? You didn't come on time. Was everything okay today? I noticed that you weren't able to give me money. If you start off with a positive presumption, what's going to happen is the other party will not feel attacked and it won't become into a fight. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. We're going to move on to the next piece here. And the next piece is like this. Okay. The next piece is like this. The next piece is communica communication 
misinterpretation, or I call communicative misinterpretations. And this is having to do with saying what you mean, meaning what you say, and those types of communicative behaviors. Okay, let's start first with men. And, and ladies, I'm going to say something right now. And you know, you know, listen to my shows, you know good and well. I don't pick, you know, I, I don't pick favorites in genders, meaning it's always the woman's fault, it's always the man's fault. And I'm going to say something, but I, I need you to listen to the end because, because this is pivotal for you to understand your husband's next time your husbands speak. And then we're going to explain the husbands why sometimes you might not understand your husbands as much as you want to understand your husband. And all you want is shalom in the house. If a man says to a woman, husband says to his wife, I see you didn't get a chance to do the dishes last night. What he means is, I see that you didn't get a chance to do the dishes last night. He doesn't mean anything else. A man is a man. What he says is what he means. If he's upset at you, you're going to hear it. If he's hurt, you're going to either feel it through stonewalling or you're going to hear it through attacks or criticism. Men are not bashful to attack or criticize. And some men who stonewall, at the end they, do, they still attack and criticize. And oh boy, they're like this. If your husband says to you, can you have the meal ready on time? What he means is, can you have the meal ready on time? He does not mean, why isn't the meal ready usually? He does not mean, if the meal's not going to be ready on time, I'm going to be very upset at you. He does not try to infer anything. And if he's telling you the dishes weren't done last night, he says, I see the dishes weren't done. He's just analyzing it. Are there cases of men who are completely whacked out and they just want to get you? That's not your husband. You didn't marry that. You know you didn't marry that. You married a normal human being, husband, who happens to be a man, happens to be very analytical, and whiz, you know, it's something called WYSIWAG. What you see is what you get. And if he's asking you, can the meal be ready on time? That's all he means. And if on Erev Shabbos, he's saying to you, could we have an early Shabbos? He doesn't mean, believe you me, he doesn't mean, you know, I don't really care about you. I don't notice how hard you're working. And as far as I'm concerned, I want you to rush like a crazy for me now and make an early Shabbos. Because I don't really care about you. What he means is I'm a man. And I don't notice how hard you're working. I don't notice how many things you have to do. I don't realize preparing for Shabbos how complex it is. And all I'm really asking you is, could we have an early Shabbos? That's all he means. That's all he means. That's all the husband means. Now, many men are getting upset. And they're saying to me, I don't understand. My wife has these interpretations of what I'm saying. I'm not saying. I'm just asking her, could we have an early Shabbos? And she gets all upset. Now, men, let me explain you why your wives are like this, okay? And not all your wives, obviously. But let me explain you why your wives are getting upset. First of all, it depends on the tone. If you're giving them tone, it ain't good. And you might, you know good and well, if you're giving them tone, maybe there is some blame. But for the times that you're not giving them tone, you're not giving them attitude. You're just asking, could we have an early Shabbos? And your wife also gets upset. Well, I mean, you know, I have to pay the Shabbat, this and that and the other thing, right? Or if you ask her, well, did you pick up, did you pick up my suit from the cleaners? That's all you, you say. You said, did you pick up my suit from the cleaners? And your wife says to you, says to you what do you mean? I was busy doing laundry, preparing the chalant. I have to shop and clean for Shabbos. I have to help my mother with her tailoring. I have to pick up the kids from, from day camp. And I, and I have to take Shlaimi to the doctor. I, I don't understand how you want... And you, and you don't understand. Why is your wife doing that? Let me tell you why your wife is doing that. Why your wife is doing that is because she is feeling attacked. But well, you didn't do anything. The way a woman is created is not the way a man is created. We are created in different ways. And we, there's a whole class in itself. You can look at my previous classes. Hashem created a woman. Maral talks about this. Other, other Chazal speak about this. In a more, let's call it higher level. Okay, not really higher, more connect, bigger connection to a Kashbuch with a bigger potential. A woman's a relationship-based person. So a woman's job description here on planet Earth is not to attain, it's to maintain. Look at her mitzvos. She doesn't have to do things, you know, put on tefillin and yarmulke and learn Torah. She doesn't have to attain. It's maintain. It's maintain her kedusha. And when you're Asking her questions, many times she senses that you're trying to pull her down. She's The ground that she's standing on is, is starting to shake. Because her whole essence is Kedusha. Her whole essence is connection to Kedusha Baruch Hu, is feeling on a very high level. It's a woman, right? If a woman has a stain on her dress, he's going to change her dress. A man's in a different world. So it's different worlds. So you're shaking her whole essence when you start asking her questions like, could we have an early Shabbos? And she starts feeling like, are you blaming me? It's on autopilot because... 
she's starting to feel like there's a problem over here. It's like there's a really big problem. Like, uh, like there's a problem. It's very normal for a woman to do this. She's not trying to defend herself or not defend herself. This is a normal thing that women do. So in order to prevent this, men, what you tell your wives is as follows. Say to her the following. Listen, if we don't, I understand you're probably very busy today. And, and you probably have a lot to do. But if we can make an early Shabbos, I would appreciate it. Now this, by the way, stands true for both genders, both men and women, the way, when, we, when we have requests. But I'm talking about these specific things that you don't want your wife getting defensive, then talk this way. You say to your wife, you were probably very busy today. Did you get a chance to, did you get a chance to pick up my suit? You see, that's a different story. Now she doesn't feel it. She has to defend herself. It's a whole different story. So many times we say things, but we don't really mean what we say. I am going to give you now a piece that this is actually written by Sarah Debbie Goodfriend, and she writes this. She's actually a therapist herself, and she writes what women say and what they really mean. Listen to this. When, when your wife says to you, do whatever you want. Now, what the man hears is she's telling me that I can make my own schedule today. What she really means is whatever you do, do not do whatever you want. I want you to keep asking me what you can do today to help me until I feel like you really care so I can give you a real answer. Number two, when a woman says, I'll be ready in a minute. Now what the man hears is she's almost ready, I'll get in the car. What she really means, I'm going to be ready in a half an hour minimum. So grab something to eat and if you don't compliment me right away when you see me, I'm going back upstairs and change again. She writes this, this is great. Next, number three, can you watch the kids? The woman asks her husband what she really means. What the man thinks she means is, is, oh, you want me to check my email, catch up on work, rest a little bit on the couch, and the kids will let me know if they need anything? No, that's not what she means. What your wife means is please give everybody dinner, bathe the, ba the baby, read bedtime stories, help with homework, and put everyone to sleep. <clears throat> when your wife says, I'm fine, here's what the man hears. What the man hears is that she can handle it all by herself. She's fine, she writes. I love this. These cute little... Uh, Addictums. What she really means is I haven't slept in two days. I have the flu. I'm behind at work and I can't believe you just asked me to host your parents for the weekend. I can't believe this. Okay, we have a, one more. Okay, we have time for one more here. <clears throat> when your wife, this is the best one actually. When your wife says, what did you do? She asks you about your day. She says to you, how was your day? What did you do? Who did you see? What did he say? What, your, what the man hears is she's asking me so many irrelevant questions. It sounds like she doesn't trust me or something. And here's what your wife really means. What your wife really means, I really care about you. And I'm asking you all these detailed questions about your day. This is the way of me trying to connect to you and understand you and feel close to you. And when I hear you telling me about all your details, I feel like I was almost there with you. And I feel so connected. And it's bringing so much more shalom bias into our house. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, Ray Mahuvim. We will join again, Mr. Hashem, next week, same time. Uh, there's a fast this coming Sunday. Everybody have an easy fast. Remember, fast days are always like room for triggers for Machlokas. Please work on controlling ourselves this fast with our spouse. Have an amazing week. Thank you for listening and have an amazing Shabbos. Bye.